0: Yo, what's up, everybody? How's everybody doing today? Uh, this is another episode of the Just Ivan Junior Podcast. So, hope you're having a good Monday so far. Having, a, I hope this Monday is going to set off to the rest of your week. Um, I know my Monday is going pretty well so far. So, I just want to just say, uh, hope you're having a good Monday. I know Monday is kind of rough, especially with like school starting back. Maybe your Monday is more easier now or maybe your monday is more difficult because school started so i just want to make sure you know that you guys are having a good monday and i pray for you guys to have a good monday and a good rest of the week so now oh yeah and also thank you for tuning in as well for another episode or episode 49 oh my 49 okay 49 so now got another uh good topic i feel like for this episode, and I really want to talk about are you know, our mega churches, an issue. Like, is a mega church an issue, right? The big churches, the big thousand people churches, the ones with like the celebrity pastors, uh, like the the real popular ones, the ones where you know the pastors might seem flashy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, the mega churches, is that an issue because I believe that, especially for non-believers or non-people that's outside the church, mega-churches are seen as, like, a scam or seen as a non-authentic, seen as not genuine, you know, it's looked at as different lights, And then there's always a scandal going on or something like that, so I feel like a lot of mega-churches and things like that are, are viewed this way and look this way, so I really want to talk about, is it an issue? Like, are mega-churches an issue? Should, like, mass people going to the same church is that really a problem should it be more smaller should we look more intimate uh you know i really want to talk about that and talk about you know how the church kind of started what it looked like what did it like christian people actually do in the church when it first started talk about bigger churches and stuff like that because and i might share and i'm gonna share my opinion of course about that and stuff like that so Let's 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 think about this for a second, or let's let's think about some things for a second. When right? we think about mega churches, like we we can talk and list the possibilities of what's dangerous about mega churches, I guess, or what it might appear to be about mega churches. Like they're more celebrity based, or it's more like a show, and it's more like um um it, be, it just don't seem churchy. Like a lot of people might have grew up in church or grown up in the church, and it might seem off. Or it might seem like they only care about one thing and stuff like that, right? So, I kind of want to just talk about that part for a second. And really just to say, like, you know, it, it granted, like, there are many churches out here, you know what I'm saying, they are not doing the right things. And are only caring about certain things. They are manipulating salvations. And are, like, you know, doing certain things that they really shouldn't be doing. So, we're not going to pretend like that's not out here, right? But, I also want to make sure that you know just because it's a large gathering, just because it's a large church, doesn't necessarily mean that is wrong, right? It doesn't mean that there's always a gimmick. It doesn't mean there's always something going on just because there's a large quantity of people worshiping or or having church or or whatever the case may be in one setting, right? And I kind of want to read this, uh, read you know, two passages in Acts real quick, or 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 sort of Acts real quick. It is Acts five, uh, Acts five. Acts chapter five, verse 12, and I'm gonna put that on the screen real quickly, so that way, you guys can see it. Uh, hold on. Oh, crap, how did I do this last time? Oh, okay, here, I'm tripping. It's been a minute, all right. So, let me share my screen, okay, I know what I'm doing. All right. So, we're gonna read Acts chapter five, verse 12, right? So um, Luke says, he says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles and they were all in Solomon's portico, okay? So let's actually read the full part of this part real quick, my bad, I need to read the full part up until verse 16, okay, so. My bad, Let's go back to it. So Luke says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. I'm going to get back to that in a second. None of none of the rest dared join in, I mean join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick, those afflicted, unclean spirits, and they were healed. Okay, so go back to regular screen. All right, so I wanted to bring up this because the theme of this part from chapter five, verses twelve through sixteen, is many signs and wonders were done. Right. So the apostles were preaching in Solomon's portico. So pretty much like Solomon's portico was, um, it was uh, one. It was like it was located in Jerusalem. It is one of the uh, like main public places in Jerusalem that was a large enough to like to accumulate a large amount of people. Like it had like this big like big white pillars, and it was a very very large space where a whole bunch of people could. Come, all at one point, and just hear the message of the gospel, Jesus Christ, and stuff like that. So actually, real quickly, I want to show you what it kind of, what that looks like real quickly. So I'm put that on the screen as well, what Solomon's Portico actually will look like. Uh, give me one second. Uh, hold on. Okay. So I'm to share this. All right, hold on. Uh, Solomon's Portico. Right there. All right. So this is actually what Solomon's portico looks like. See how big this is. See the white pillars. See what this is here. This is Jerusalem, and they gathered here because this is this is where a whole bunch of people can gather at one time. This is the actual space that can fit everybody that's in here, right? And Solomon's portico. This is from King Solomon, right? King Solomon, who's the first Israel king. Okay, so this is actually what it looks like. So as you look right here, this is a big space where a whole bunch of people, hundreds of people. Can fit like should we probably even fit thousands in there possibly, right? This world they all met it. So now, if you look at it, if you think about it, Solomon's portico, and you look at the gathering together of like the church, you could really say that's a mega church, honestly. They had huge multitudes, big crowds of multitude. They all gathered there. They did signs of wonder there. They praised Jesus there. They met here often all the time, like. You can honestly say that's a mega church because it was a large. It was you. You know, it was a large multitude of people that was meeting there, right? And the apostles were, and you really see also where the Holy Spirit really was working. Another example outside of, uh, Pentecost, like this is where you first see the Holy Spirit at work was at work in the apostles, doing God's work where there's healing people and preaching the word of God and stuff like that. So, but I really wanted to just show you pretty much like, it's. In the Bible, pretty much like huge people gather in this huge space often, right? And, and praising and worshiping God, right? and, and It is not a bad thing, right? Because I feel like sometimes we might get in the mind frame that just because you see a church with a huge parking lot, or you see a church with like a basketball court in it, or you see a church with a huge sanctuary that can fit so many people and automatically think it's wrong, or automatically think. There's a scheme going on, automatically think they're not doing God's word when the building, you know, that is not really the case. You know what I mean? Because you see, in Simon's portico, it was the same thing almost pretty much, right? Where they, that's where they all met it. Large, huge groups and multitudes where they met it, right? So I don't want us to get in this mind frame of. Just because the location, just because of what it looks like, just because the building is fancier than maybe a church you might be more accustomed to, doesn't mean it's necessarily like wrong at all. Because it's not about the location, it's not about the building, it's about what's going on, right? That's what we need to focus on when it comes to the church, is what is going on, okay? So just because it looks fancy, just because they might have dope audio equipment, You know, just because it might look a certain way doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. What you really need to pay attention to is what's being taught in any church space. Right. What you need to really pay attention to is how the church is actually functioning. What is being taught? What doctrine are they teaching? How they like it between one another? What are they doing to grow? Where's the discipleship at? That's that's the stuff how they do, how they worship it that's the stuff you need to look at when it comes to churches, not necessarily what it looks like, how big it is and stuff like that. Right. That's really what it matters. And real quickly, I want to, uh, read one last passage. Cause that's going to kick off where I'm getting to it. Cause now I want to talk about real quickly is what the church actually, like what they actually did back in Acts. Cause we, we just read a book, uh, X, the book of Acts in the Bible, new Testament. It's the first book right after the gospels. Right. Um, uh, so Acts is just, the history of the church. That's what Acts is telling you. The history of how the church actually started, right? Which is actually very, very key. Of learning just how the history of the church started. Not saying that everything they did, we are supposed to do that, right, per se. though. No. It's just giving us the history of how the actual church started, right? How we started. And now how we continue to continue that as you read the rest of the church letters in the New Testament, right? But I want to read, actually, like, what it were actually what it looked like and what they actually did in the in the church right so uh real quickly I'm gonna read acts chapter 2 242 through 47 uh let me share this real quick all right let's share come on let's share come on all right so now let's go to acts 2 chapter 242. Forty-seven, and Luke says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributed the proceeds to all, as in any had need. And day by day, attended the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Those were being saved. All right. So. So I wanted to share that in chapter two because that's what the church looks like. Right. That's what the church actually did by them devoting themselves to the teaching of the apostles. So them teaching about Jesus Christ, right? Them teaching about how Jesus lived and things of that nature, right? They devoted themselves to those teachers, so they were striving to be more like Jesus, right? And how they broke bread with one another, how they would even sell their possessions to help another person out in the church. Like the church was really, really community-based, right? It was really, really community-based, right? And as you look back, and you, read, and you read that over again of, of, of how they, knew, you know, they devoted themselves to teaching in the fellowship, breaking bread and prayers, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching in the fellowship, fellowship to breaking bread and the prayers, right? So they devoted themselves to that, right? And, you know, he had many signs and wonders and miracles and things that were happening at that time, right? And all who believed were together. And they had all things in common, right? So I'm not saying, like, they probably never had a disagreement about certain things. I mean, come on now, that's not realistic. But I'm sure when it came to the doctrine of Jesus Christ, like, to the doctrine of Christianity, or the core values of Christianity at the time, I'm pretty sure they all had that in common because they all believed and they all were devoted to the teachings of the apostles at the time, right? And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all who has a need. So it's all about making sure your next brother and sister in Christ was good. So if you're in church and you realize your brother and sister, is, they don't really have a good place to stay at. You have to come stay with you for a little bit, right? So they get on their feet or if you, or if they're hungry, they ain't got nobody to eat. Guess what? You help provide them food so they can eat, you know, stuff like that. Cause really, it, it, it was pretty much like the term that like we all know. If I got it, you got it. You know what I'm saying? So that's how you got to look at it. If I got it, you know what I'm saying? That you got it, like the one friend like hit you up like yo, you, know, you trying to go out to eat, and you be like, nah, man, I'm broke. You know what I'm saying? I was were like, oh, excuse- I didn't ask you if you were broke. Yeah, buddy, I'm just saying, do you want to go out to eat? You know what I'm saying? It's like that feel, like oh shoot, like you really got me. You know, if I got it, you got it. That's pretty much the 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 how how it was, right? And then they attended the temple together, and you know they were breaking bread in their homes, so they met in their homes a lot. They met in people's houses, right? It was really community. Based, they all had generous hearts maybe they gave willingly they didn't feel pressured to give they didn't feel like they were being punished if they didn't give they didn't feel like you know what i'm saying like it, it was generosity that was involved with that and they added number after number because of that right and another thing i want to share too is another thing that the early church did that i feel like we need to make sure that we are very uh Honorable of right, and this book is from the, is the story of early Christianity, early, volume one, right? The early church. So pretty much, this is an early church history book. All right, so if you're a nerd, a little bit nerd like me, and you really want to know what like after scripture, how the church continued on, and who the early church fathers was outside of scripture, there's a whole, there's tons of books on early church history, like tons, like tons. This is just one of those that I, that I have, right? And this is on page 108, i read it on the Kindle or whatever. And pretty much, I'm gonna tell you how the early church actually worshiped, right? So it says, from that time and throughout most of history, Christian the, the Christian church has seen in communion its normal highest act of worship only after the process of Reformation in the 16th century, in most cases later, did it become common practice for many. Protestant churches to focus their worship on preaching rather than communion. Alright? So, also, hold on. Uh, cause I want to read that portion. So I don't want to bore y'all with all, with all the other stuff as well, honestly. The most Uh, Hold on. Okay, so the two earliest witnesses we have regarding Christian worship comes from. Oh, crap, that's not what I wanted to read. Hold on. What? The, all right. From these other sources, we know that these. Second century, there were two. Okay, from these and other sources, we know that we know that at least since the second century, there were two main parts in a communion service. First, which. First, there were readings of scripture and commentaries on them with prayers and hymn singing. Since at that time, it was always impossible for an individual Christian to possess a copy of scripture for the first part of the service. Well, often the only way in which believers came to know the Bible was therefore the part of the service. Blah, 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 blah right? And then, also outside of communion as, as as a grand thing of worship, it was also baptism. Baptism was a huge thing as well, right? Um. Uh, and baptism is pretty much an outward reflection of just giving your life to Christ, right? It doesn't mean it doesn't, you don't have to be saved to be baptized, right? It it's not a secret formula where you automatically get baptized stuff like that. But baptism is also uh, a huge celebration as well. And it says, baptism was, besides communion, the other great event of Christian worship. As has already been said, in order to partake of communion, one had to be baptized. In Acts, we were told people were baptized as soon as they were converted. This was feasible in the early Christian community, where most converts came from Judaism or had been influenced by it, thus had basic understanding of the meaning of Christian life and proclamation. All right. So, pretty much, I, just to dump it down, I guess, everything I just read. All right. So, in the early church, we're talking like second century early church. So, right now, like when you read the New Testament, that's the first century. Okay. That's the first century when we look at the New Testament. Now, after that, there's early church Christian history, which goes from the 2nd century all the way up until now, right? You see, the 2nd century, when they came to worship, and, you know, in our Western context, we, we think of worship automatically as singing, right? That's what we looked at it as. Singing, worshiping, you hear preaching as the main thing, and stuff like that, which I'm not saying that's the wrong thing, but I'm saying in the early church afterwards, in the 2nd century, way before all this, right, their main act was communion for worship. That's the main thing they did every week. And remembrance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. They did that every single week. Every single week they did that. And prayers and singing hymns. Just being thankful every day. What Jesus did on the Christ for, cross for us. That's what they made sure they did every time they came together. And that was their main act of worship. is that our Lord and Savior died on the cross for our sins. That's what they did every single time together. That's what they did. That was their main act of worship. Outside of the maybe outside of the uh, the extra teaching stuff like that, but that's the main way they worship. And then also baptism, doing baptism, making sure you're being baptized, right? Because Jesus wanted us to get baptized. Jesus Himself got baptized. That's another act of main worship that they did, right? Baptism. And I really wanted to break up like. What the church in acts like in the book of Acts, what they did when the church first started, and after that, continuing in the second century, what they did, right? Because I want us to be more mindful of what the what the what the our brothers and sisters did before us, right? Like how they worshipped, like how they grew, right? And I feel like in our churches today, that's how we, that's all we need to grow and grow organically, like grow properly, right? Because there are seeker-friendly churches. I'm not saying all of them are bad, but there are seeker-friendly churches where they just, you know, reach the, the loss of people that don't, you know, know about Scripture and stuff like that. And the goal is just to get them in here, get them to say this prayer, now they're saved, and they get them out here to serve, and then you just rinse, repeat when it comes to that, right? It is also to the fact that, like, are we growing organic churches? Like, are we growing genuine people who actually know about the faith, who are actually discipling and doing these proper things? right? And I feel like when you read about how the church started and you read about what they actually did, right? How they actually were in community, how they actually were in people's homes together, how they actually were breaking bread together, how they were actually making sure everybody was good, actually how they were devoted to Jesus Christ and how they were devoted to the teachings of Jesus Christ, right? And discipleship and make sure we had acts of community and worship and stuff like that, right? And the Bible says time and time again that it grew, like believers grew right the numbers of Christ grew and I feel like there's a lot of pressure on us and me being in church I can say that there's a lot of pressure for us to always make sure we're having a certain number of people or we're always growing or we're always showing growth and a lot of that is always measured by the numbers that's it we never look at people's fruits meaning the evidence of them actually being saved and actually being transformed in Christ we never look at that and say, okay, that's how we're growing. We can say, oh, we just got 30, 40, 100 new people in. Or we got these different salvations and That means we're growing, right? And that sounds good on the surface, right? We can say 100 people gave their lives to Christ, but when we look at their fruits, it, it tells different a lot of the time, right? It's more about... Just saying a prayer and say thinking you're saying, right? When really that prayer doesn't really do anything. It. It's all about the decision that you make in your heart that you're gonna follow Jesus Christ and that He will be Lord over your life. Right? That He's first, that He rules over your life, stuff like that. That's what really matters, right? And I feel like when it comes to mega churches, right? There are mega churches that are toxic, right? There are mega churches that got caught up in a whole bunch of stuff like the Hill Songs of the world when they got the documentary they got people coming out saying all this different stuff and they have scandals and they have all this other different stuff right but there's smaller churches that do, that do that too i came from a smaller church before that had issues like that with the pastor and stuff like that and it was toxic we had to leave it was ter- like it was bad right it's everywhere it doesn't matter if it's a big church it doesn't matter if it's a little church it doesn't really matter it does not matter you know why it doesn't matter because there are flawed sinless people i mean why say sinless my bad there are flawed sinful people In the church. Surprise. That means problems like this is always going to happen. Right? Because none of us aren't perfect. None of us are always going to get it right. We sin all the time. Okay? So whether it's a huge church. 5,000 people church. Or if it's a 50 people church. Or a 25 people church. The same issues happen everywhere. It's just the building and the the people size is the only difference. That's it. Right? So we got to stop looking at. The building. We got to stop looking at what it looks like. We got to stop looking at the parking lot. We got to stop looking at that and look about what's actually going inside the church. Look at what the fruits are actually coming from it. That's what actually matters when it comes to churches, right? And there are Tons, I'm sure there's tons of tr- mega churches or churches with large groups of, of congregants that are doing the right things, that are discipling, that are bringing bread with one another, that are worshiping the proper way, are devoting themselves t- to the teachings of Jesus Christ, and they are doing it the right way, just like smaller churches are doing it. But when you lose sight of doing the small things that scripture tells us, that even early church history tells us, that's when we go off into our old flesh and try to do things. And I'm not saying you can't be creative. like You don't have to just... Strictly do certain things, right? But when we put too much time and emphasis in tradition or, me- or certain things that are not even really necessarily biblical or we're dependent on that more than dependent on our Lord and Savior, then that's an issue. That's honestly an issue. You know, that is a problem. And sometimes I feel like we're trying to manipulate too much. Sometimes just doing, just being there for them. Being who you are in Christ, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, breaking bread, doing these things, doing the little stuff actually matters. That's what grows fruit and helps continue to multiply the capable God. That's what actually matters, right? And the thing is, there's good between the smaller churches and the bigger churches. They accomplish the same exact things, right? Cause there might be some churches that never will grow to be a thousand, or there might be churches that will grow to a thousand. Or there might you know what I'm saying? Like the goal isn't just to grow, just to to the growth the to me, the goal shouldn't be just to grow your church or ministry and things like that, just for human approval, or just because it might look good for human approval. Right, just because it might it might seem like you're popping and doing this and that and the third. Because you can have a popping church or congregation, they still don't know much about Christ. They still might not be even being saved. Or you might not even see fruits from them just because there's a thousand people that meet there every week, that don't mean anything. Right? There's you can be a church of fifty people. And every and, and 40 of them can be truly, genuinely saved out here, witnessing out here, you see the fruits evident in their life, and you can have a thousand people and only have thirty of them, or even a hundred. I'm sorry, even a hundred of. Let's say, let's just say, a hundred of them, right? Where or, or I genuinely say out of a thousand people, a hundred, which is ten percent of them. But if you look at it, the smaller church is actually had more of an impact because most of their congregants are saved versus the one that's a hundred, even though it's more than them because they have more people. So I feel like we just need to. Stop looking so much at, the, at 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 how it looks on social media. Sometimes stop looking at the lights, the equipment. Stop looking at the also like the, the worship sets. Uh, stop looking at all this other different stuff and start looking about what's actually going on in the building. What do they actually teach you? How's the church actually function? How's it actually uh, moving? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the stuff we need to actually. <sighs> I'm sorry, my allergies bother me. <laughs> but that's the stuff we need to actually be focusing on when it actually comes to churches. Mega churches. Or even smaller churches. What is being taught? That's what that's what should matter. Not because it's a good time. Or not because it, 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 it it's 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 entertaining, you know what I'm saying? Like, not because of all this and that, which some people might get caught up in that when it comes to churches these days, too. It's like, oh, I just want to what's the best music or what's the best entertainment or is this pastor the coolest or uh, is this pastor the coolest or is he like this, that, he's this, that, and the third, right? And that's all, that's all what it turns into after a while. Like, are you genuinely trying to see and actively seek and maybe you want to serve Jesus or, or are you trying to grow more with him? Or are you just trying to have a spiritual pick me up high for a Sunday or, you know, or be entertained or something like that. And then throughout the rest of the week, you're just saying, whatever. That's the dangerous part. Like, what are you actually getting out of? Are you actually trying to grow a relationship with Christ? Are you actually trying to have community with your brother and sister in Christ? Are you actually trying to do this thing? Or you have another motive when it goes to coming to the church or what you're looking for? I try to put people on blast, but I'm just being honest. And you know, in my opinion, when it comes to making churches and all this other different stuff, like for me, like. Like, I I went through a lot of transformation when it comes to this. Like a lot of my opinions changed. Cause, you know, before even learning about this stuff and learning and actually like reading the scripture and really it touched my heart in this way, you know, you like especially when you're in church spaces, like you'd be thinking like, dang, like, I'm not doing enough. Or dang, like I'm not doing God's work enough because I don't have all these people in my ministry and all this and that. Like, I, I was at one point looking at these, like, even bigger churches and stuff like that, like, dang, like, they must be doing something great outstanding, or they must be, like, doing X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, they got to be doing something. Right. They got all these people going to church and stuff like that. Like, right? that's how I used to look at it, right? And then finally, it just hit me. I just understood. Like, reading the scriptures, looking at early church history and just thinking about it. Like, you can always get massive people to come support whatever. You can. Like, even cult leaders. Cult leaders, evil people, all that. They all, all of them have massive followers. You know, it might not even seem like it's hard to get a huge, massive follower like that. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, but what really matters to me now is about genuinely being genuine and being organic about who I'm talking to. who, who, How am I growing the people that I'm leading? How am I, I, I like, what fruits am I showing? I feel like that's what's mainly important to me. Like that, that that's what mainly important is, is important to me is like the fruits that are being shown. What's the evidence of this of people actually being saved? Because yeah, I can have 150 people in this ministry and stuff like that, but if I'm realizing that outside of all that, they're not even striving in the right direction, or they're still going into the other things and stuff like that, like was the job really done? Like, I mean, what what did I really do the work? Like, but did I really, really implement Christ the right way? You know what I'm saying? I'm more concerned about people genuinely, organically being, you know, being followers of Christ and just focusing on that, versus just having a whole bunch of people. Yes, a whole bunch of people gives you more opportunity to reach more people. Obviously, like, there's always a good thing to have more people. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're just focused on that, get them in there, get them maybe saved, and then get them about of there, and then they serve it, and then that's it. Then you repeat it, go to the next person. Like, that's not really a good model to me like it's not all about in and out in and out in and out or or off to the next off to the next off to the next it's about okay you good all right you're saved all right let's help you grow now let's help you find where God wants you in the church or let's help you grow in your faith let's help you do this that and the third let's help actually build in your faith actually grow in your faith I feel like that's more important like to me I feel like that's more important to me when it comes to churches right and honestly i mean, I like don't get me wrong. I like good-sized churches, right, or or things of that nature. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the mega churches, only because it's so many people. It's hard for you to be able to bond with people, especially if you're like in the church like five thousand stadium people, and you're seeing a different person literally every week and stuff like that. Like, it's hard for you to grow in community. It's hard for you to break bread. It's hard for you to do these different things when you're, especially if you're an introvert. I'm not an introvert, but if you're an introvert, you go in these types of spaces. It's gonna be hard for you to adapt or even be close to people because you're not seeing the same person every day. You already don't want to really talk to people like that. It is hard for you to really have that community. But in churches that are at least like at least five or six hundred, you you're able to have community. You're able to know everybody's name. The pastor actually knows who you are. You're able to grow and bond easier. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think to me that's more advice. And really, the churches that are actually doing what the scriptures actually said—they're not too much. They're not putting too much emphasis. On things that are not even biblical, like armor bearers and ushers and, and 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 other stuff. You know what I mean? Like that stuff is important. It helps the church flow and stuff like that. But sometimes we put too much emphasis on things that it will help the order flow of service, but not really growing like the Kingdom of God, or not really emphasized in Scripture like we think it is. Because a lot of stuff we do in church that's not really emphasized in Scripture or say, or really biblical, which is not always a bad thing. But when it takes more. Time and energy, we more discussing this versus other things, and what's more important, and that's where the issue actually comes, right? So, pretty much that's all I really have for you guys today, but I really just want you to like, to think, right? Just because of the building, just because of the parking lot, that doesn't mean they're doing the wrong things, right? Just because this the building is smaller, just because they don't have a lot of people, just because they don't, the pastor's not rich or doesn't seem like he's rich, or doesn't have all this fancy stuff and stuff like that, doesn't like all he they're doing the right things. They're not. It's all about the fruits. It's all about what they're teaching. It's all about what you actually see that's going on. That's what actually makes a difference. Not the building and the location and things like that, right? And like I said, there are bigger churches out here that are wild. That are doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff that's cultish, that's all, like, I'm, I'm with you. Like, there's there's pe- like, people and leaders and stuff. I'm the, Stay far away from them, like, stuff like that. If they ask me who, who we should listen to as a pastor, I'm not going to suggest those people, right? I'm not going to do that. But I'm also not going to say just because they they might they might do have a, a platform that's bigger and, uh, and, and you know, a nice-sized church and stuff like that, that they're doing the wrong stuff either, which that's not always the case. And that's not always true, right? And some people, you know, it's just that's not always true. And like for the smaller churches and stuff like that, you know, I'm not going to be like – uh, you know, I know they're doing the right things or I don't know they blah blah blah. I don't know they're doing this and the third, like they're not, they're not, you know, saying the pastor he he don't care about about the money and all this and that. They can be out here do, teaching all types of crazy stuff and toxic and, and a lot of like I've seen i both sides of it. So it's definitely in both. Cause at the end of the day, what's the what they both have in common? The smaller church or the bigger church, what they both have in common is they have sinners like us. Sinners like us in it. And when we lose sight of if we lose sight of Christ, if we lose sight of, of, of doing the things that he taught and stuff like that and put our own man-made more thought and, and things into it and more of our flesh into it, of course it's going to go wrong, right? It's going to go wrong and we're going to do stuff right. Like We don't always get it right. But that's why we need to be in the church. The church is for us. That's exactly what we need to be, right? And we're not always going to get it right. So that's pretty much all I had for you guys today. But I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you have a good rest of the week and stay blessed. Peace.